I do want to share with our listeners that we have gone all in on converting one of our spaces into an exhibition space. Studio 62 will have art exhibitions every month, so each first Friday, stop by Studio 62 at 2729 North 62nd Street in the Benson neighborhood, as well as check out AC at Trudy's for more First Friday exhibitions. It's just some, you go to Lincoln all the time anyway. Mm, I don't, though. You go there every month to get your hair cut. Yes, every month. So, there you go. <laughs> Once a month, but the next time I go is late this month. So, uh, well, uh, go get another haircut. <laughs> Don't be mean. It's like that it's like that AJR song about I think it's Bummerland about getting lots of haircuts. You get like seven haircuts and now all his hair is gone. Oh. Yeah, I don't know that one. Well, you don't listen to AJR much, do no, you? No, I don't. No. No, don't even know how to yeah. spell it. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That, that was, was really good. good. Speaking of spelling. Speaking yeah. of spelling and being good at things, welcome back to Arts and Crafts Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Cheetah, and with me as always is Ben Matukowitz and Reed Doling. How are we doing today, fellas? You know... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm excellent. I'm doing okay. Okay, we'll start with Reed. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Beautiful weather. Yeah. Beautiful weather. <clears throat> Beautiful weather. Nice uh-huh. little break from the humidity. That one day I experienced it here. <laughs> yeah, what are you <laughs> complaining about? <laughs> yeah. I'll say it's uh, it's still not as nice as that time I recorded an episode well, in Minneapolis. Yeah, so I, no, think, no. I think it's uh, hilarious that Ben's been traveling so much. And every time he leaves town, it gets really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And then he comes back, and it's super humid or rainy. Yeah. I'll go to Seattle and be like, wow, it's so nice here. Are you all jealous? And you're like, it's the same temperature here. Yeah. I'm like, what? It's like it's actually- when I left, it was 95. Yeah. Well, it's not anymore. <laughs> I'm excited about today's topic, but I'm right. also more excited about today's beer. So I'm more uh, we're going to start with that. <laughs> well, I, I'm excited about both. Reed's just here for the beer anyway. Ben's episode this time for beer. I haven't provided beer in a while, so don't worry about it. Uh, anyways, what do we got today, Ben? Well, I'm I'm learning about this at the same time as you guys because I didn't look at it that closely when I bought it. Okay. Uh, it, it came uh, out of a variety pack. It did. Mm. From I'm, I'm Colorado I'm, Native, is that correct? Colorado Native is what it says, and that seems to be the name of the brewery. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm really learning about this right now. The, no, it's, so brown. Colorado Native is the uh, brand, and this one is just amber. Okay, so they don't call it anything fancy. It's an amber lager. Amber? I hardly know her. Hey, oh, you yeah. got it right this time. Thanks. Selected this beer for several reasons, partly because it is only available in Colorado, which I, of course, have... Indicted myself now. I've smuggled it across the border, but uh, <laughs> statue limitations on beer smuggling. <laughs> yeah, short. It's okay. Um, but I saw it when I was in Denver. I saw a billboard for this brewery or whatever it is, and it had uh, an ad for their Cerveza Lager, and so I thought I'm going to get that and bring it home. And then I, I went to the store, and they had a uh, what did you call it, Rita? Variety. A pack. variety pack. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'll get that. And brought it home and then realized I should have, like, I, I was like, I didn't count how many of each beer were in there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, no. What if it's like one of each or yeah. like two of each <laughs> and we can't all drink the same thing? Luckily, there are three Ambers, Amber Lagers. So um, I'm getting pretty excited because of the description on this can. Let's it hear sounds it. delicious. Let's hear so, it. Go for it. Made with only Colorado in mind. Here's a beer for any Colorado occasion. Sessionable, yet flavorful. Crisp, malty sweetness. Balanced hoppiness. You'll like it, probably love it, maybe even oh, smuggle, smuggle it. it. No they knew. Way. They knew. <laughs> that's that's why I was looking at you, Ben, like, holy shit. That's really is, funny. Wow. This is amazing. I'll also um, tell the listeners, and they'll find this out more later when they re- uh, read the uh, beer review of this. I bought this can solely for the can art. It looks really nice. I'd have no exactly. idea if it's any good. Yeah. Well, well. Well, it is a shall we, shall 5.5% we 38 IBU amber lager. I'm Let's done go waiting. for it. 
What was that supposed to be? It's a lot more, a lot hoppier than other ambers I've yeah, had. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Whoa. It hits you with the hops. It's a hop hitter. It's not like super hoppy, but for an amber. Yeah. Right. I wasn't expecting anything, but. It's very malty and hoppy. Mm-hmm. Moppy, if you will. It's a moppy amber. I'd, I'd say it tastes like an amber lager. Lager? Well, it says amber lager at the I know. The I, top I said that because I thought you said lager. Oh. An amber lager. No, it's pretty good. It's definitely yeah. uh, like heavier than I yeah. was picturing, I think. But it's quite delicious. It's very crisp. Yep. It's very sessionable yet flavorful. <laughs> Even well, smuggable, smuggleable. Since you don't have yours in a koozie yet, thirty-eight IBU. I would have guessed it to be higher, yeah. just off the hops you get off the off the top. The, uh, of it says that the maltiness is like right in the middle. No, there's this scale on the can here, but the Colorado ness is as as Colorado <laughs> oh, as can wow. be. You can't so. get any more Colorado yeah. than this. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Um, I picked up on that flavor too. So I kind of want to introduce something new that we can we can try, and if we hate it, we don't do it next episode. All right. What all right. would you give it on Untapped? Ooh, should we live yes. rate it? Live rate it on just Untapped. Do it now. Ooh. What would you give it? Well, I don't have my phone in my pocket, so I didn't give you a fair warning. So I guess that's um, well, that's that's fine. If only our chauffeur or not, what's he called? Garcon. Garcon. <laughs> Could you bring us Reed's phone, please? <laughs> that's that's Ross from last episode hanging out in the studio with us today. One, one just want to make sure. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. Check him out tonight. Well. Well. Check him out <laughs> two months ago at the back line. <laughs> well, this should be the, if we don't record another one soon, this should be the next episode. Yeah, check be. him out last month at the back line. <laughs> 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 the Omaha Comedy Festival. That's so funny. You guys are hearing us live typing on our phone. Yeah, isn't that cool? Well, uh, a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a live episode because that couldn't go poorly at all. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I've had better ambers, but I do appreciate the maltiness makes it a little more unique than the yeah. ambers I've had, but it's nothing that... The maltiness does? Not the maltiness, the, the hoppiness. Okay. Sorry. I'm curious if the maltiness is what makes it seem so hot. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Because the more I drink it, the less of an actual hop flavor and the more just like bitterness. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like yeah, it's, it does. it's definitely more hoppy than a regular amber, but I think the maltiness is what's making it seem... Bitter. Bitter. Hmm. Yeah, but it's still pretty smooth. Oh, it's very smooth. It's very smooth. You're not you're not chewing it like a heavy IPA or something. It's it's kind of this amber almost reminds me more of like an Oktoberfest. A little Marzen yeah. style. We yeah. need to we need to have a Marzen. Well now that soon. I took another sip, it is pretty hoppy. <laughs> 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 hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm gonna okay, so wait, what did you rate it? I gave it a three and a half. I'm also a pretty soft rater. I don't really go below three we, unless it's really terrible. We gotta talk about our rating system too, because yeah, we all we, rate it. We can well, do that. Reed rates it differently than I do. My ratings have gotten uh, more liberal than they used to be. Uh, and mine are more conservative. <laughs> Just kidding. Got them Joe Biden reviews <laughs> in, huh? <laughs> Look, we're just biding our time till the next president, okay? <laughs> hey. That was no fun. politics on the show, No though. politics on the show. Um, it was just for the pun. Obama 2024. Um, <laughs> the uh, rating I use is kind of like, so it's out of five, for those who don't know. And for me, it's like, with this beer, did they achieve their goal? Mm. And how does that compare to other beers like it that i've had so let's say with this amber it's like all right they achieved their goal so that's looking pretty good for them right Mm -hmm. well then i think of other ambers i've had do i like it more or less so then it would land somewhere like you you know like a three five whereas reed is like well reed why don't you explain it yourself mine is more about do i like it and do I want it again? That's what it, mine's and all it about doesn't, too. It doesn't really matter yeah. about the style, um, and comparing it to the other other beers from that same style. Hmm. So, like this one, I also gave a three five um, because I think if I have if I 
have a beer and I'm like, I'll have this again, then it immediately gets at least a two five. Okay. Hmm. Um, and this one is like, oh, I, I'm interested in having this one again. Gotcha. Not, not just like, oh yeah, I'd have it. Like, if it's there, I'll have it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't. I'm not planning on going to Colorado until December. So I don't know if when you get your haircut. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh, it'll be about that time. Uh, well, so when I started using Untapped, it was also when I was working in the brewing industry. So oh. it was very much about trying to compare uh, styles. To, and yeah, kind of do all that sort of semi research and mm-hmm. my own record keeping and stuff. But now that I'm just a casual drinker, uh, can't really change. Can't start over. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, the other thing is, so, like, Reed is pretty straightforward with his things, so there will be a lot of things that might be lower, whereas mine are, like, has to be really bad to drop below a three. No, yeah, mine too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like but horrible. I have to I never want to have it again. That's what I uh, meant when I was saying I have been more liberal with yeah. my ratings is there are very few things that have been under a three lately. Yeah. And I don't know if that's my taste changing or if it's the beer I'm having is better or now you know what you like so you yeah, pick it out right more consistently. Yeah. Well there's a beer I had the other day and I was like I did not like that. And Reed's like, why'd you give it like a four? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. That was, I was like, well I was in a good mood. Leave me alone. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've already had four of them, so you need to point each yeah, one. Yeah. Well I don't want the people that made it to be sad. Gets, each one gets one star. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps moving up. <laughs> I think the only beer I think I've only given one or two beers of five and one was uh one was this out of the uh, Castle Danger. Mm-hmm. We were in Duluth, and it, we actually went to the Castle Danger Brewery, and we got, it was like a raspberry wheat ale or something like that. Mm. And I think it was just, we also hiked eight miles that day, so like, <laughs> just having any sort of like crisp beer would have yeah. gone, like a bush probably would have gotten a four and a half. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I want that to be, you know, to skew that, but like, it was just so refreshing, and we were outside, and it was just like beautiful out, and it was just like, this is hitting the spot, like, way more than any beer I've ever had before, so I gave it a five. Yeah. So I guess I could be influenced by third-party factors but. i think i've been noticing well i've also only been really drinking beer like on vacations on trips mm-hmm. not so much at home but i've definitely been influenced by like the setting a lot lately oh yeah where it's like this beer probably wasn't that great but i'm having the time of my life i'm on a sailboat so <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly i'm sailing with this terrible stout <laughs> the stout was good but it was strong as hell That's, oh my god yeah. I shouldn't. The only reason I had it is because this. Uh, I gave it a three five. <laughs> I wrote surprisingly smooth for an eight point two percent stout that I Oof. couldn't feel after that. No, the only reason I got it is because on this sailboat they had three beers from this brewery, mm-hmm. and I had already tried the Pilsner and the ha- and the uh, IPA, so I was like, well, I'll just have the third one. And that what was, the hell? <laughs> uh, that was a bad choice. <laughs> but it was a blast because I was on the ocean, sailing. I'm trying to think of, oh, I had, what was it? I had, uh, when I was in Oregon, we, there was this brewing, Pelican Pelican Beach Brewing or Pelican Brewing, something like that. We got a sample pack of some of their more popular stuff. Was it Pelican Brewing Company? Yes, it was. I had one in Seattle. I was, was going to talk about that. that really? Wheat beer have. <laughs> I had that on the beach, and I was oh like, this is God. amazing. I was looking at, yeah. Well, let's hear it. Where did I have? Their half was their half, oh, half was really good. I know where I had it. Mine was not good. Theirs was a lot of clove, if I yeah. remember. I had it at a uh, bar where the keg emptied. Ooh. So you kicked the keg I, on a half. I, yeah, and he yummy. barely like my glass was like seventy five percent full, and he's like, "We're out of it." And it was like warm in the bottom of you're the like, keg. You're like, did you just, comp this off my bill? Am yeah, I seriously. Full I'm like, for this? and it was ten bucks because it's Seattle. Yeah. And, it's still pretty good, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I didn't get the full experience. <laughs> Reed, did you have any good beers on the West Coast? <laughs> I did not. Uh, I've never been there. so. Well, it's the best coast. Maybe the opinion. East Coast of Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
goes to Council Bluffs. You guys have any the, the only, West Coast beers? The only coast, <laughs> yeah. the only coast I've been to You're is Corn coast. coast Brewing in Lincoln, um, which is a decent brewery. Reed's never been out of Nebraska, by the way. Well, that's <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Except for the time we were in Minnesota. Yeah. Another time we were in Minnesota and the time we went to Chicago. When I Kansas needed City a haircut. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, every time we need a haircut. <laughs> oh, what state do I go to now? <laughs> I do want to mention one of the beers I had in California, though. Mm-hmm. Because I'm wondering if we can find it here in the states. Uh, <laughs> in the states, <laughs> here in the in the state. <laughs> uh, but it's from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, mm-hmm. and it was the Sunny Little Thing. I'm pretty sure I've seen that around. It looks I've like this. Heard of Sierra, yeah, yeah, that, I've seen that before. But it's a citrus wheat ale. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure just the fact that I had it when I was hanging out with James Murphy. Uh, influenced <laughs> how much I liked the beer. What did James Murphy say? <laughs> okay, so I'll never forget. So I'm hanging out with James Murphy of LCD Sound <laughs> This System, is great, right? John. And I go, oh my God. You are just like the greatest. You're my idol. You're you're just incredible. I really admire you. And he says to me, he says, and I'll never forget this. He goes, if you talk to me one more time, I'm calling security. <laughs> and my God, he was right. What a genius. What a brilliant if you man. talk to me one more time, I'm calling security. <laughs> <laughs> You're my idol. Get away. <laughs> uh, they say don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Um, no, luckily that didn't really happen. In fact, he was quite nice to me. But Yeah, he's just like, I'm calling security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, the, only pro- the only problem that arose was when, well, I didn't, I was having a great time. I was quietly taking pictures, which I wasn't supposed to be doing. But I, I didn't have the flash on or anything. Yeah, how but are they going to know? Then these young drunk kids come up with like, the flash on recording oh. a video of him and he got mad at that which yeah. is fair i mean you've yeah. got a bright light in your eyes while you're djing yeah but at that point i was like i'm gonna leave because i'm gonna accidentally say something mean to these kids mm-hmm. do you know who this man is <laughs> do you know how he's changed Don't my make life me with call music? security yeah <laughs> i'm security now if you talk to him one more time you wouldn't <laughs> like me when i'm angry <laughs> So you've been traveling around a lot. Before we get into the topic, and if we get there, we get there. But I want to hear about, <laughs> I want to hear about the trips. I'm just having a fun time talking the shit. So I want to hear about. Well, I have been, uh, <laughs> I've been to Omaha. Um, ben, <laughs> you've been to Lincoln for your haircut. Uh, yeah, you're right. I have, and that was it. Right. <laughs> I went to Lincoln too to see Weird Al, Weird Al Yankovic. Mm. Um, well, I went to Seattle, Washington, home of the Rainier beer, which was, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's a pretty basic beer. It's like a Mick Golden. Yeah. When I tried it, it tasted very yeah. similar to a Mick Golden. I think it's like the best of the, uh, light, it, it's not a light beer, but you know what I mean? Just the basic like lagers. Of those lagers. Yeah. Um, but it was significant to me because it was the beer that... I've always wanted to try for my entire life because my my grandfather had a whole bunch of Rainier beer memorabilia in his basement. And so growing up, I saw this brand like mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. And then when he passed away, me and my dad inherited all that memorabilia. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I wear like Rainier stuff constantly. I love the brand, but I've never had the beer <laughs> until this year. And then I tried it and I was like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> but it's kind of sad because so that was just a, you know, a local brewery. Mm-hmm. I think it was in Olymp- Olympia, Washington, I believe, outside of Seattle. Um, but a few years ago, they were actually bought by, uh, I can't think of it now. They were bought by a bigger company. Mm. Oh, uh, uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe that's mm. who owns the brand now. So they... They actually own a couple different beer brands where it's stuff like that, where it's like old, older, smaller uh, labels that they're just continuing under those names, but it's now part of so keeping the loggers alive. Do you think that changed the recipe at all, or do you think it's it's been the same since? Um, I'm guessing that it's probably about the same, just because it wasn't anything crazy to begin with. Yeah. But it's certainly possible that they tweaked it. I know that there's some beers that have that were made like early 1900s. Like so, for example, Infusion brought back the Metz beer. Right. Metz was one of the 
big five Omaha breweries back in the day. And they acquired the rights to the Mets brand and brought back that beer. Well, that beer is different than it was back then, but it's not like drastically different. It's yeah. just like the I modern guess, version I guess of it. my curiosity is like if a like microbrewery is purchased by mm-hmm. a macro brewery if something changes to like increase profitability yeah, or something like that increase profitability i would imagine so because I feel um, like they're pretty they're a pretty well set brand though in the in the northwest yeah like, okay i think if that changed it would a lot of people be very upset about it because mm. it's like yeah. what people like in minnesota people drink mcgoldens like that's that's what they drink in nebraska they bring drink bush light like imagine that type of staple light beer staple lager yeah. changing people would probably have some backlash to that and so i don't i think they'd be a little more wary to change the the yeah okay that's a lot that's just my thought it's a lot different than if just like one of our local breweries got purchased yeah like if fairy nectar changed like yeah well it's not gonna be a huge public outcry i hope that doesn't happen yeah i had oh i had at the (laughs) union omaha game last night i had a sip of that and i forgot how good it was i haven't had it in a while i almost got one i got i got a weird beer instead (laughs) well i got a son of a beast first which is always great and gave me some ptsd (laughs) <laughs> from the last time I had too many of those and then I tried a really strange beer that we shall not name <laughs> it was good but I don't what? remember was it? sure it was <laughs> <laughs> let's just say I didn't give it a four <laughs> <laughs> but right. it was one of those ones where I looked at it I'm like I'm not gonna like this but one of those please <laughs> one of those. <laughs> I panicked and got it because it was the same color as Union Omaha <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And it was something new. <laughs> anyway. So I know you've told us this story, but it was off the podcast, and I want to hear it one more time. During one of your trips, Ben actually had to stand in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give too much. To <laughs> ben had to do some public speaking like, on a whim. With this? And so tell us about that. So James Murphy lost his voice, and I go up there <laughs> no. and start singing all the LCD sound system songs. And I'm yelling at people, I got to bring security up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is arts and crafts. <laughs> I changed all the words. Um, no, so I find myself in Denver, Colorado, believe it or not. Of all places? Of all places. Same place as huh. beer came from. Although it's brewed in Golden, Colorado, which I also went to. Home of uh, Coors Light. Or just Coors. The banquet beer. But uh, what if I brought that back? <laughs> I got a great <laughs> exclusive Colorado from Colorado, guys. <laughs> but look, the mountains are blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, banquet beer is decent, but it's not podcast worthy. I can tell you that much. But uh, yeah, so I'm. I, well, I, is, well, is any pilsner? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's some really good pilsners. Find out next month on Arts <laughs> and Crafts. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I wasn't in Denver. I was at Red Rocks for a wedding and I was happy to be there and just observe a wedding considering the last one I went to I had to officiate which was very stressful and it was a good time and I was happy to do it for my friend but it was quite a stressful endeavor having to officiate a wedding so I'm at this wedding in Red Rocks and I'm like this is awesome I can just enjoy the view Mm -hmm. see a beautiful ceremony hang out have a good time and uh it's 15 minutes until the wedding and I'm in high spirits. And then there <laughs> then my girlfriend comes around the corner and says, You're you're ordained to do weddings, right? And I was like, I am. And she's like, You'd be able to do one real quick if you had to? And I was like, Oh ha ha, yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny. And then she came back and she's like, Okay, so can you do the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What? <laughs> what wedding?" <laughs> and as it who happened, else is getting married? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's another <laughs> wedding going on. <laughs> what, yeah, a, that, what a mess! Well, this is silly. <laughs> Only if you're available. <laughs> I, was, I was like, "Yeah, after after this wedding, I'm sure." So <laughs> after this one, <laughs> as it turned out, the officiant they hired never showed up. That's and so crazy. It was literally one of those moments where they're like, "Is there a doctor in the house?" <laughs> but. uh so they asked if I could perform this wedding for them, and I had to scramble to check my uh, my certification <laughs> status and all that, because I'm technically ordained to 
perform weddings in the state of Nebraska. And as you recall from a few minutes ago, this is in Colorado. So they're like, all you got to do is read the script and just do the things you're supposed to do. And I was like, okay, but I still haven't verified if like this would be legal, like if this will count. Like, Just give me a second. If this will count. <laughs> yeah. So, it's not even a real wedding, <laughs> kind of. I make it even worse somehow. So then, and by the way, I barely know these people. I'd met them once before, and it's my girlfriend's half-sister, so she doesn't even really know her that well. And But I'm more than happy to do it, you know, I'll... I hadn't, for some reason, I had absolutely no qualms. I was just like, yeah, yeah, as long as it's legal for me to perform it and it counts, I'll do it. And so we read through it and it seemed like there were no hiccups. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And so they gave me the script, which is just like a Google Doc. And it was like a first draft of a script. It wasn't complete and it wasn't, it didn't have certain details I needed, such as people's names. <laughs> <laughs> Things of that importance. Of course. (laughs) But I really didn't have time to do anything about it. Like, I didn't even have time to read it all the way through once. I just, we kind of had to just start. So, the whole time, I'm just, like, reading right off of my phone, doing this wedding, and I infused a lot of humor and tried to uh, make it as smooth as possible. And everyone seemed to really appreciate it. And so, it actually worked out really, really well. And now I am starting at a, I'm excited to announce I'm starting a wedding <laughs> officiating service. Wedding planning is the newest programming from AC. <laughs> yeah. AC weddings for all your marital needs. Please contact Reed at exarbancreative.com. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll get on that. So that was quite interesting and uh, certainly the highlight of the trip. Oh, yeah. So then I was like, all right, I can't even think about picking out a beer now. Yeah. My brain is just fried. But luckily, we found this beautiful amber lager from Colorado, Col- Colorado Native. Native. <laughs> <laughs> of which I am not, which is why I was concerned about being able to do the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. I love that story. I think it's so crazy. And it's like literally like out of it's like a TV show. Yeah. And so, well, I don't know. It was weird because... I didn't even really, it didn't set in what had happened for like two days. Because I was already like in a yeah strange environment with people I didn't really know. Like everything was so weird already that like two days later I was like, wait, what did I do the other day? That was weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope that was legal. <laughs> Man, I hope, hope that counts. I hope that counts. I hope they're wed. Well, fine. That didn't happen. That's not <laughs> real. <laughs> well, my parents definitely didn't believe me because... Uh, my girlfriend has been known to to play tricks on my brother, like mm. like for example, one time when I came back from a trip, I was at her house and her dog looks like my dog but bigger, so I sent a picture of her dog to my brother, and said, so I picked up Binky at at the dog daycare and I think they gave me the wrong one. <laughs> And he was so concerned. (laughs) This is like a Friday night at like 11.30, like super late. We're like out drinking. And I'm like, it'd be funny if I did this. And she's like, yeah, yeah, do that. And so she's like telling me what to tell him. Your brother's like, they're open at 11.30? (laughs) He's he's like, did you, could you call them? I'm like, no, they're closed. And they're not open till Monday. Like, what do I do? He's like, okay, well, there's got to be a number you could call. There's got to be somebody like, you can't just leave him there over the weekend, can you? Like, like. Well, I guess he's safe, but like, what are you going to do with this other dog? You know, and <laughs> yeah. I'm just like seeing how far I can go with it. So, and my, we told my parents about that joke later. So they, they already know, like, all right, there's this history of yeah. tomfoolery. So when I text my mom <laughs> from Colorado, I'm like, guess who just officiated the wedding? And she did not believe me, I'm pretty sure. She's just like, Had to see pictures. Yeah. She's like, are you. Is this are you? Is this a prank? And then I'm like, no, Victoria can verify. And she's kind of like, yeah, because that's you know, like yeah, she's in on it too. Her word is. Her w- <laughs> so then my you can trust that. My dad was like, I need to see pictures. <laughs> and I was like, well. But then the other thing was, when I started the wedding, I had to make this announcement. The couple asked me to make an announcement saying you can't have your phone out during the wedding. They didn't want anyone mm-hmm. to be on their phone. So there were no pictures at that moment. We had to wait till oh, the photographer, the photographer. Like, sent them like two days later. That's so funny. So for two days, I had no proof. 
But I'm it, trying to read the happened. script. They said no phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyone have a printer with them? <laughs> well, then, it, then it looks terrible because in all the pictures they're like doing the first kiss and all this stuff, and I'm just like sitting there on my phone, like, what do I say next? <laughs> Oops, <laughs> we can Photoshop. You ruined the wedding. Oh. It couldn't have happened without you, but you ruined it. <laughs> and then for the next two days, people just wouldn't leave me alone. They could just kept. What you love? Well, yeah. Oh, I just <laughs> love when people bother me. So you, feel like, you feel like James Murphy, especially. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. You look up taking up taking pictures of me with a flash on. <laughs> I said, "If you," I said, "Aunt Mary, if you speak to me one more time, I'm calling security." <laughs> Gosh. So that there not be any drunk kids around me. <laughs> 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 Unfortunately, it's just drunk adults. Speaking of which, why are you looking <laughs> at me, John? <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking around. I don't know. I think that's a good as point of any to uh, kind of transition into our topic today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, social media and technology's effect on the music industry. Is kind of what I had thought of. And when I initially thought of the topic, I was going to kind of focus on the negative side of things. But as I did some more research, I, I kind of decided to change my tune on it a little bit. Yes. And we're going to be... Tune, no I, pun intended. I love stories like that. Yeah. Or I'll just, just uh, someone's curiosity in research leads to a different perspective. A totally different. Yeah, the, to- the outcome is completely different than yeah. what I thought it was going to be. If yeah. only you had this realization on the podcast, it would have been a great episode. It <laughs> 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 That's what I get for looking beforehand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't come prepared. <laughs> Pretty sure last night you're like, oh man, I'm not prepared for the podcast. I'm like, John! I know. <laughs> I had like looked at a few articles and <laughs> I didn't write anything down, but write I, I down. had it all in my head, but... Anyways, so I kind of wanted to also try to extend this out to, I know I'm the only one on the podcast that, you know, w- I would consider myself a producer and musician, whereas I don't do digital art or any make any physical Listen, art. Listen, like I that, tri- so. I started to learn how to play the bass guitar in Seattle. Okay, oh so. yeah, I heard. Of, oh, so, yeah. so so so. And I saw and <laughs> I saw Flea. So. And so. I talked to James Murphy. And I talked <laughs> well, I have album art on Spotify now. That's true, so. you do. Well, so do I, but. Listen okay, to never mind. Uncertainty by Cheetah streaming. Never everywhere. mind. <laughs> um, but kind of the first thing that I wanted to start with was kind of the main pros of how it's changed. Like, first of all, distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's changed distribution. I mean, I don't think it has. It, it literally <laughs> has. It's like it's be, it's taken less pressure off of like studio time. Like you could really only put album albums out unless you had like a studio, and then you could really only put mu- make music available to people either by selling your mixtape literally like on the street, mm-hmm. or by getting really lucky and playing some live concerts and getting seen by a label. Right. And now I can pay twenty bucks a year to have my music on every streaming service imaginable. And it just stays there as long as the distributor doesn't go out of business. And, yeah. like, that accessibility is unbelievable. Yeah. And not even to mention that goes straight to, like, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. Mm-hmm. All those things, too. So, like, you can promote your music seamlessly right through these different social media platforms. And it's just, like, how in the hell? This would have been so difficult 15 years ago. You would have had to make your own music videos and learn how to edit and then add your audio files over them and things like that. And it's, like... Mm-hmm. I think that progression has just been so, so interesting. I didn't really realize how important that was. And there's so much more music now because of that. I mean, like Spotify's mm-hmm. got billions of songs and people you've never heard of. And you just, um, right. and there's so much good music out there. And it's solely because of how accessible it is. So my main question was like, how does, how has social media impacted you two as, you know, people who produce physical art? Has it been kind of difficult to like take something that, like for example, floating the um, the picture you you created and I bought the spaceman that wasn't made digitally. So has that like is it difficult to distribute that and and put that out on social media when I don't know? It's like am I making any sense here? Like the physical art, I feel like it doesn't translate as well to social media as well as digital art. And so have you two had any experiences or any um, I don't know? Any thoughts on sharing your work that way? Thinking about it now, um, so every time I show somebody work, 
in person or show artists work they're like you gotta make it bigger you gotta go bigger (laughs) and then i'm like okay you're not like i would i would like to now there's that takes a bigger budget yeah and thinking about how to get how to get that like investment or how to get those finances to pursue the larger scale work is building up an audience and mm. people purchasing work yeah um or getting myself out there s- so that if i'm like applying for grants or something mm-hmm. somebody has something to look at and be like okay this 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 artist will pursue this project um and this money may help yeah um as opposed to hey someone's asking for money there's no history of uh somebody or like this person actually producing anything. producing anything so why why should we select him yeah to uh support um and i'm like i don't i make a lot of smaller work mm-hmm. and it translates well to um sharing digitally because it's easy to photograph okay and that scan um and reproduce or make quickly uh now i don't do a very good job of marketing myself or consistently posting mm-hmm. um but i think that's something that has been on my mind is um how to make larger scale work and promote it mm. um because i don't i haven't really tried video um, yeah like i I'm not making TikToks or Reels. Yeah. Um, so it's just still photos of two-dimensional or sometimes three-dimensional work. Yeah. Um, but then it's hard for me to even select photos to share. So, like, <laughs> um, it's just there's so much perfectionism. Yeah. Like, I struggle with perfectionism so much that it makes it difficult for me to... Um, or it has been difficult for me to promote myself. Yeah. And I think that's... So I don't know if this answered your question at all. No, it's all discussion, doesn't it? Yeah. No, I think that's good. I was going to follow that up with, like, I think that's one of the downsides of the accessibility of sharing work is that you also have the accessibility of seeing how other people are doing. Right. Mm, Yeah. And so that just brings in that comparison, Mm -hmm. like... It's a lot of influence from that. It's a lot. Yeah. And it's like, oh, these few works I put out only got X amount of likes, but someone with similar got Mm -hmm. this many more likes or or this many more impressions or whatever. And I Mm -hmm. think that can really hinder someone's, one, drive to create. Yeah. And two, self-worth of... Yeah. seeing worth in what they create like if no one's liking the picture then why am i doing this or if no one's liking the post or whatever why mm-hmm. am i doing this but yeah i think my main thought to build off of that with this topic is um so like obviously social media regardless of even this topic social media in general just makes everything more accessible you know we yeah. can connect with more people and experience more things and access more things and that is good but I think the downside, or at least the the uh, the other part of that that is kind of hard to navigate right now, especially for creative people, is mm-hmm. that, so yes, it is easier to get your work out there, but you're also competing with more people now. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. So if you think about, Ross and I have talked about this with comedy before, where because Jerry Seinfeld has this attitude, and he's an amazing guy, and I love Jerry Seinfeld. Very good comedian. But he has this attitude of like, oh, it wasn't that hard. I just had to be really funny and I made it. Yeah. Well, you were doing it at a time when no one else was doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you look at the era of, let's say, the 60s to like the 90s, whether it's comedy or music or art or any of those creative people, they're the ones who are kind of doing it. And so, yes, they had to be good. And yes, they had to work hard. But they had to do it in a much smaller pool of people. Yeah. And so... For that reason, it almost made it more dependent on their work being quality. You know, if so you it made them better, almost. it made them better, I think, because if you're kind of a trailblazer, like if you're if you're the first comedian in a big city, yeah, you got to be good, or people are gonna be like, "Why would I watch stand up comedy? It wasn't even that funny," you know. Yeah. 
but at the same time, it's like, well, you're the only comedian, so yeah, you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's that <laughs> right. balance. You're winning where, by default. <laughs> where, right. Yeah. Whereas I think so, now it's like, yeah, you can. I could upload if I started making music tomorrow, and I could just upload it. Yeah. Nobody said it had to be good. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but I could start sharing it right tomorrow if I wanted to. I mean, even today. Right. <laughs> but so I think that's a challenge: is that not only is there no it, the system of ensuring quality work is kind of gone now and i think mm-hmm. that the just the amount of people you're competing against is so big yeah which so the negative there that is that it's unfortunate because someone very very talented it's gonna get yeah. they might not ever they're just gonna get lost in that sea of people potentially and so it becomes I think the challenge becomes that your job is now more to market yourself than it is to make the music. Almost a social media manager. Exactly. Right, that's right. I think that's, that's very challenging. And that's, that's kind of what, what Reed was talking about with his art. Yeah, like. that's so it reminds me of like trending audio. Um yeah. Like with reels and TikTok. Mm-hmm. If you want your stuff to be seen, usually you're taking something that's already trending yeah. and getting on that trend. As opposed to Creating something completely original and unique, and then like there's there's no guarantee anything will ever go viral. No, yeah. But it's more likely when you produce something that has already been done and is already getting views and likes, yeah, um, and interaction from others. And that kind of also leads us into my next point because that's a really good thing. Like. Music is being, from the music side of things, like music's being created specifically to start trends on TikTok and yeah. start trends mm-hmm. on Instagram and things like that. Because those streams, like every time someone watches a reel with my music in it, it counts as a stream in my analytics. Yeah. Really? So, um, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of why I've just been kind of like spamming reels of my music with my music in it because it's like this is an easy way to try to get yeah. some streams and like maybe get some new people to hear the music as well. But like, that kind of prevents people from creating a little more original work to focus on right. engineering something to <coughs> hit a trend. Yeah. And it's like, as much of a bummer that is, or, and there's no positives to it. I was going to say that because like, <laughs> of positives to it. I, I think that's a really big bummer and a really sad kind of side effect mm-hmm. of TikTok and, and Instagram and Reels and things like that. Because, yeah. yes, it allows us to, it's, to it's get more almost, stuff out there, but it's, it's like, almost like, you know, it, back to that idea of... Um, like being a sellout and it's yeah. like i'm just mm-hmm. i'm just creating so that people see it and yeah i get rich somehow like i i follow some artists on um social media that have recently shared that over the last couple months or year or two or whatever um whatever amount of time they have gone from creators sure four I, I could see that yeah, five even. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> possibility. How about six? Mm, well, I haven't really been on social media that much. John. That's just that's absurd, right. John. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> now we're doing an office uh, bit. <laughs> um, we were telling you, really. Who have <laughs> these artists have said that they've gone from creating work for themselves to creating work just to get seen. Yeah, um, and they've lost their mm. interest in what they're doing and now they're making that realization and getting back to creating for themselves. Yeah. Um and their that audience is still there. Um but like their their niche audi- like will be found. And it's discouraging as an artist to be like, well, I want to grow my audience, but the only way to do that is creating things that I don't actually care about. Yeah. Play the game. The right. Play the game, game, yeah. Yeah. It I seems didn't. like you have two choices as a creative, whether it's art or music or anything. You can either buy into what's trending and play the game. And it doesn't have to be you know, full-on sellout, but just, you know... Ride that edge of trying yeah. to hit the trending and hit the... And you can algorithms. do that, and it can be, you know, different amounts of successful, and it, yeah. but it might not be as fulfilling. Or you can do the complete opposite and be extremely unique and weird and authentic, but that's 
pro- I mean, that's hard to do. Yeah. And it is so obviously if you go that route, there's no sort of automatic audience. You know, mm. if you play the game, the audience is kind of there because they're familiar with the game you're playing. And the algorithm. And the algorithm supports, supports it. Supports that. Yeah. If you try to go the complete opposite way, and it works, it'll be even better. Yeah. You know. That's a good. I point. mean, think about any of the musicians or artists or whoever that you really really admire who are like weird and out there and the fact that they were just doing their own thing and they were so authentic so long it eventually worked it eventually picks up and but our society and and the way it's structured just doesn't really support that which is really unfortunate because that's when creativity is flowing the most yeah so like if you look at uh music i always think about this when there's like there's a musician or a band whose first album is the best mm. and then they all get worse and worse yeah because now they're not creating authentically they're creating what what's yeah. sold they're creating what's sold and they're creating with this expectation and right. trying to match something and i i think i think part of that also comes from you spend way more time on that first release yeah and then That's true. after that it's like okay now i have deadlines to yeah, yeah. Um, i have a label left to make money right. for right um, um, but yeah, that's, yeah, I get, that's that I get idea. why it is that way. It's just unfortunate that I think there's no, because of quite frankly, capitalism, <laughs> there's yeah. no, there's no free flowing structure of creativity. If it's not making a profit, what's the point? Yeah. There's a lot of exactly the, the thought process mm-hmm. behind that, unfortunately. So I have an idea I want to throw out and see what you guys think. Yeah. My, my hypotenuse, uh, <laughs> <laughs> here is, uh. I don't know if this is necessarily true, which is why we should chat about it. But what I was thinking originally was the difference between like visual art or fine art and music in this particular topic is that with with the art, people are viewing it and possibly purchasing it. But they're kind of just like looking at it and saying, oh, that's nice. That's pleasing to the eye. I like that. With music... The idea is that they're going to continue to engage in it over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to mm-hmm. continue to play it. And now that's obviously just, you know, the structure of those two things is just obviously yeah. going to be different because they're two different things. But I'm curious because with social media, you know, you might see Reed's work on Instagram once. You might like the photo. You might actually like the piece, you know. Yeah. But then you might not ever see it again. It may never enter your mind ever again. But if they were to download music by Cheetah on Spotify, uh, www. No, um, but they might play that music over and over again, and then there's sort of that like repeated engagement. So I'm curious with social media, especially like with you doing the reels and the different things to try to, you know, increase that engagement. I'm just curious what you guys think as far as like, do you think social media plays a role in the valuing of those things differently. Like it seems like everyone is just like, Oh, music is music. And you know, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Whereas I think some people are just like, what do you want me to do with the art other than like your post? Yeah, What do I do? Look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I'm so I, I like, I guess my point is I think that value difference has always been there. Yeah. I'm curious if you think think social media has affected it. I think it definitely exemplifies it. I mean, it makes it, bigger um not that it like you said it's just it's always been present not that it's a bad thing or, or yeah, anything it's just like a that. difference it's just a difference but i think it really does it also comes down to how the poster not, not the person who posts <laughs> it <laughs> poster is a bad term for that the person who posts it how they handle that too like are they posting their work every day? Are they posting mm-hmm. uh, something from the same line every day? We're like, amidst the uncertainty, it was kind of cool to see your stories and your um, industry posts. Like you can kind of see different pieces that are being worked on. And even during studies during it, it was like, oh, these are obviously all connected. And so I'm, in a way, I'm enjoying the same piece, yeah. or at least the same theme over and over again, the same I listen to a song six times, you know? Yeah. So I think it really comes down to how the account also handles posting their mm-hmm. pieces of art how but, that work is shared but yeah, yeah exactly so it kind of it kind of does both it exemplifies the, the gap but also gives you tools and the opportunity to kind of 
lessen it, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, especially with, you know, millennials and Gen Z are, are more experience driven than ever before, you know, than any other generation. So I think, you know, if you have, if you're comparing these two things on social media, which one is generating that experience, so to speak, Mm -hmm. more? And if it's a reel with music you made, that's obviously very straightforward. And it's, I mean, you know, Reed could make a reel that shows his work too. Absolutely. But then there's probably not much engagement beyond that, whereas they might go to Spotify and download the thing, the music. (laughs) The thing. Yeah, like it's with, I think more... There's more audience that will follow up with music yeah. than will with yeah. visual work. Like yeah. it's at with music, like you said earlier, Ben, there's that opportunity to listen to it over and over. Um like over time. Yeah. With art it's like, okay, well you see it. Not many people are gonna like, oh, I really wanna go look at that piece of art. That yeah. I didn't purchase. Yeah. It's just on someone's account. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like... I'm going to find uh, that page again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Unless... Yeah. I do that because like, of who I am. Right. Yeah. But, you know, that's right. my Same. job. But Same. <laughs> there's not a lot of people just casually doing that. I yeah. <laughs> um, so, I don't know if that's something like there just... There isn't that specific social media for fine art viewers um, mm. or... Well, so like, or there, if, there if are, I just haven't found that audience, or there are, or what? App, there are apps and websites you can go to and just view people's graphic design projects. You know, right? Hands and right. dribble and all that stuff. Yeah, and people do that. Maybe we make one for art if there is one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I also think. Well, I guess we can discuss this later. But people post fine art stuff on Behance. Yes. Yeah, they do. Like it's it's basically just a portfolio site for creatives yeah yeah so well so i'm also curious because like so actually earlier john asked about like how we see sort of the effect of social media on like sharing our our artwork and one point i forgot to bring up was like i know when i do physical art so i do a lot of digital art and then sometimes I do like physical art and if I do physical art such as the piece you mentioned floating mm-hmm. nine times out of ten that is not that that artwork is not going to be like digitized so to speak in any way mm. because I kind of just want it to be its own physical thing that's the medium you created it in right just stay like that exactly I'll photograph it you know yeah I'll document it and that's not to say that I I wouldn't like that piece is a great example of something like maybe I should have scanned it and you know yeah. made stickers of it or something and maybe I still will but yeah, it's a good thing you know the person that owns it. It sure is <laughs> some stranger who lost it. <laughs> <laughs> but like a lot of John's like, oh, no. how do you know? You're like, oh yeah, oh you don't have more of those, okay? <laughs> 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 but yeah, like a lot of what I create physically is meant to just live in the physical world mm. and. I like to put together, you know, an event where you can come experience it in person. And so the reason I bring this up is because I think um, that highlights, again, the pros and cons of social media where, like, let's use Reed's show again as an example. For him, social media was used really to get people to come to this like this promotion. actual physical yeah. place. Right, yeah. It's used as a promotion to get you to come see the work in person. So now... Whereas, I mean, yes, your music was playing there too. Yeah. But your goal, your main goal still is to get people to download the music. Yeah. Or to stream it. And the experience doesn't really change for mine. Because yeah. it sounds the same on Instagram as it does on Spotify <laughs> as it does right. out in the real world. Like, mm-hmm. whereas art, it physically looks different being in a gallery with the lighting and how you display it compared to an Instagram post. Yeah. So. It's also an yeah, interesting. It's, it, Sorry to interrupt, but go for you it. You know me. Um, Can't be prevented. Something that I mentioned earlier is how do how do you document larger scale work mm. or really any work that is more 
like you're consumed by when you're viewing it in person. Yeah. But then you're just scrolling by it on on social media. It can only be so big on Instagram. Right. It it's like the, yeah. it's really difficult to um portray the ideas in from the artwork in a photo. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I use carousels on yeah. Instagram is just to get different perspectives of the same piece. Yeah. But it's still like, well, then someone has to scroll through those. Yeah. Um, and it's still, they're just holding their phone or on a computer or something, and it's just in front of them. They're not getting any different experience looking at the different photos. The discovery aspect is interesting if you compare music and art because, like with art, as we mentioned, the the discovery process in social media might just be like you scrolling along and you see it, you like it, and that's the end of the discovery. Yeah. But right. but maybe you see the same artist posting work over and over, and then you see they have a show, and then maybe you go check out the show. When you are discovering music, it's different because you like you can't just see it real quick and be like, I like that. Yeah. You kind of have to engage with it more, and I'm curious how that changes things. Like, I know when I am discovering new music, I'm always sitting, I'm, <laughs> I always play that game like, all right, how long do I sit and listen to this song before I try yeah. a new one or yeah. move on from it? And so I'm curious how that changes things. But then that kind of goes back to like, there's this entire pool of music to choose from mm-hmm. and we have very little patience and time. So we're like, there, oh, five yeah. seconds of this song, I didn't like it. I'm done with Next. this artist entirely. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Man, that I'll guy go, sucks. I'll go back to listening to the same music I listen to every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like his one experimental song. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, Man, that guy sucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, on the flip side, is it's pretty cool because somebody might just, you know, catch a quick, you know, tidbit of your music. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, this is, I didn't even know this existed. One of the stressful parts about releasing music is on the distributor, like when you upload the audio files... It says, okay, what 30-second section do you want to be the preview for people to buy it? And so you're just like scrubbing through, and you're like, what's the best 30 seconds of this (laughs) two-minute song, two-minute song? And it's like, this, it's... It's literally, okay, choose your first impression and hope that it's the right one because you can't yeah. change it once it's released. Yeah. And mm. so that part's kind of stressful. Well, but I, I remember like when I, so before, you know, another part of this is like music is free now. Yeah. All literally. music is free. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as long as you're paying a subscription, even then still you can get Music as a service, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I remember when I had iTunes back in the day and you had to play the preview. Yeah. And that was, part of that was like, not even just do I like this song, is like, is this 30 seconds going to capture the part of the song that I heard on the commercial that I'm trying mm. to figure out if this is the same song? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know? For 99 cents? <laughs> For 99 cents, yeah. It's unbelievable. But yeah, it's interesting because not, so like not only are you competing with this you know, bigger audience now, but you're, so, you know, you're paying whatever you have to pay to produce and upload stuff. You know, that's its own thing. But then you're not having to... You know, like you already mentioned, you're not having to go through that process of like getting a label involved yeah. and a whole, you know, record company, all that stuff. And then on the flip side, the consumer is just paying for a streaming service, if even. Yeah. And they're not, they're no longer having to commit to, like, remember, you know, you buy a CD or download an album. Oh, yeah. For two you know? songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'll pay $12 to get the two songs I yeah. like. That's not happening anymore. So I'm also curious, you know, like what. When I like an an artist, a musical artist, and I even if I really only care for like three songs on the album, I'll download the whole thing to have it. Yeah, and you can experience those songs in the flow of the album too, which changes right. a little bit. Like maybe there's a really cool interlude before the song, and it makes the song that much better. Like I don't know. Yeah. I think the whole way a lot of artists structure their albums can adjust how you experience it and. That's the Do you think that. social media helps or hurts the concept of experiencing a full it album like that? It destroys the concept of listening to an yeah. album. I don't know very many people that listen to albums. It's like it's single, like one. I can count on one hand the people that I'm, that I know listen to music and they just like don't listen to albums. I'm like, 
all the you know yeah. a song will come on and be like oh you should listen have you heard the rest of this album like it's some really <laughs> good stuff on here and it leads into some really cool areas and they're like no I don't only listen to albums like, so what's I'm an like, album <laughs> why why don't you do that like just yeah. turn off shuffle start from the beginning and just yeah. like yeah just let it that's take on a journey. that's one of my favorite things to do oh it's awesome yeah, yeah. um especially when discovering new artists yeah or right when I come across a new artist new yeah. to you I should say yeah um yeah like. I've done that a few times in the last month. Yeah. Just like, um, and sometimes I listen to the whole discography instead of just a couple songs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's the way to do it. So. Well, it's gross that like, because of social media and the way it is now, it's kind of, it's not kind of, it's very gross that everything is just like, you have like two seconds yeah. to make your impression. And so like, you gotta, you have to choose 30 seconds of your preview and people are only listening to like three seconds, three seconds of, of that it. 30 seconds yeah, you chose. But everything is just so quick to be discarded. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's also just, I can't even imagine, like, so let's say you put an album out, you know, right now. comes out in, let's say, October when this episode comes out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're going to spend, you know, a couple of months probably around that time promoting it. Just think a year later, it'll be like irrelevant. Oh, yeah. You know, already. Yeah. And obviously, you know, people who like music are going to go back and listen to, you mm-hmm. know, older things all the time. I'm not saying it's completely irrelevant, but as far it's as. impact on the culture at the yes, time. Yes, the social media relevancy, gone. all of that, it's gone immediately. It's gone, you know, three days later. I even mean, social media artist, is that quick. Even the artist's profile picture changes. Like, when yeah. they're coming up to the album, they'll change their profile picture to the album art sometimes, or they'll their whole social media will be around gonna this do that? release. Are you going to do that, John? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, three, you know, a week after it's released, it's like, okay, stream it here, and then it's like back <laughs> to normal. Yeah. It's, or like, then it goes to the tour dates. Like, right. <laughs> it's just always constant. Nothing, nothing sits. Nothing's yeah. like letting Nothing the moment sits. soak. That's Nothing exactly it. Like well, there used to be such a buildup to like, okay, the album's going to come out. Yeah. And then it came out, and then for like months you're talking about it. Little, yeah. Like I remember, uh, I'm going to sound so old now, but I remember 10 years ago, <laughs> like I think 2012, there were like an infinite number of great albums that came out that year. Uh, but I remember just like that whole entire year, I'm just sitting on these albums and the hype around them is everywhere. Yeah. And it was for for almost an entire calendar year there was this sort of energy around you know an album or two. And now it's literally like I remember like remember earlier this year we were talking about the new Arcade Fire album came out. Oh yeah. And for like a month it was like, "Oh yeah." And now it's like, I don't even remember that happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like seriously. that's so that's so last year. That's so But <laughs> it's like not, nah, it was just a few months ago. Yeah. So it's just gross how quickly things And I think the the through. influence of how much music's put out also puts a part into that. Like there's just yeah. so there's just so 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 much music and so many good artists now and it's so polluted, not polluted, but Populated. I think it is a little polluted. I guess it's a little polluted too. (laughs) But and it's all good things because now we get more good music. But it just doesn't stick around as much. There's pros and cons. I mean, there's you know there's two sides to every coin. So I I don't know. I would say overall the impacts are positive, but it's still kind of a bummer that some things get thrown to the wayside. You know. I yeah, I agree. I do think overall it's positive because I think a lot of talented people are getting the chance to share their work. Mm-hmm. And that's like my life's mission, you know, is helping yeah. people do that. So I think that's a huge positive. I think that there's there's probably a way in the next decade or so to streamline this a little bit so that it is not so chaotic. Mm. I mean, if you think about it, like, you know, social media, th- as we know, it's been around for like a decade. Yeah. And it's changed so much in just that decade. You know, we don't even know where it's going to be 10 years from now. But I think... I'd like to think, I'm hopeful that maybe not social media as a whole, but maybe, you know, a an avenue of it might focus in more on sharing creativity Yeah. without as much influence from, like, trends and stuff. Yeah. I don't know if it's true. I like to think it's true. And I think that, I think that also kind of leads us into 
a potential of our next episode topic would be like how technology is going to affect um, the viewing and displaying of art. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. how that how that happens is going to dictate exactly what you're just talking about that, like how long it sticks around and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Like if it's like a, a rotating gallery every day, then obviously that <laughs> it's going right. to be a, just ch- ch- tons and tons yeah, of new art. It's but it'll like be very interesting in a number of years when this era is discussed in art history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, like Ben was just saying, nothing sticks around. Yeah. So it's like, what what was going on in that time that was causing nothing to stick around? <laughs> yeah. Or what can we even point to that helped define the era? Yeah. yeah Cause, seriously. Because only a few people saw it for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the oversaturation makes me wonder what what will be left when we come out the other side. Yeah, it's it's if like if any just clutter. <laughs> it's yeah. it's just like concept art is the era in that one they were in. Yeah. Um I talked about the positives of talking about social media. We've kind of got sad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that's but it's where the conversation's taken us. That's more than fine. Well, I think uh, joke. to continue to be sad. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, really just I mean to be neutral, I guess, but if you think about uh so you know how with social media, there's this idea that like, oh, everyone's an expert now. Everyone has yeah. access to everything and can do everything. And that is a negative in the sense that there's oversaturation and it maybe is dulling down the quality of things. But I think it, it's a net positive because I really do believe that we will come out of this era of oversaturation with some refined creatives who... Mm are going to actually have this quality work to share. Like, because Reed mentioned, you know, seeing a lot of artists go through that flow of like, I was creating things just, you know, for others to be seen. And now I'm getting back to creating for myself. I I think we're going to all kind of do that as a group, I'd like to think. Is yeah. We're going to go through really this point. era of oversaturation and then come out the other side and those who survive that creatively will be doing really good work. Is what I like to think. That's really exciting. That's a very positive thing. I think. I hope so. That's yeah, exciting. I hope, so I hope it's. I hope it's that, um, and not people are discouraged by. Yeah. It, it, it's there's nothing unique anymore, and that's why they give up. Yeah. Or th- that makes them stop. But Reed, I was trying to end on a positive. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we can cut this no, part. But I, no, I think the positive <laughs> takeaway from that is that don't let it discourage you. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. let it that falsehood of not being unique because there's so much other stuff like consume you. Like make art, make make good shit, make bad shit. Like yeah, just create, create, and it doesn't matter create if every it's been, day. Doesn't matter if it's been done a hundred times. It's yours. Like yeah, that's Be what makes curious it curious and learn something. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I mean, it's worth pointing out, like. And this might cause some people to be sad, but there is nothing unique or original. It's all been done. Yeah. We all are the same. And so you might as well create Steal anyway. like an artist. Steal like an artist. Produce something that reflects your experience. And that's like literally the least you can do as a human being. Yeah. You know, be authentic. Yeah. So don't worry if it's not feeling original as long as it's authentic. Yeah, and you then know. own that shit because then yeah, that be makes authentic it yours and, and own it and yeah. create it. All right, see you next episode. <laughs>